Hi there, everyone. This is Fox News' Roop Raj. On the October 26th edition of Let It Rip, we talked about Michigan State University and the ongoing scandals, including the image of Hitler that was shown on a big screen. We have members of the Jewish community and also members of the greater Metro Detroit community who are asking who's in charge at MSU with all of the scandals and what needs to be done. Plus, we're taking a look at the UAW strike that was finally resolved, at least with Ford Motor Company, with a tentative agreement. So how will General Motors and Stellantis fall in line? We'll take a closer look. And with that, let's let it rip. So it's time now to let it rip with Detroit City Councilman Mary Waters. And we're also talking about Auto Line's John McElroy, who I like to call the dean of everything auto. Live via Skype, former UAW spokesperson Brian Rothenberg and Fox 2 anchor and attorney Charlie Langton with us as well. It is good to see all of you with that. Let's let it rip. I don't know uh, that anyone's going to disagree that this was good news when it comes to what happened in the last few days. Councilman, we'll begin with you. Uh, when you heard the news that Ford and UAW reached a tentative agreement, what does that mean for the city of Detroit and for workers here? Well, well, I'll tell you, the last time that I was on this show, I'm the one that predicted you did. that you did. Ford would be the first one right. to settle. Yes, you did. Yes, to reach an agreement. And so so what, what it means is that the, 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 the people stood strong. The courage that they had in order to take this fight on. That's, that's what it means. I could never be more proud of the UAW rank and file and the leadership because they stood strong and they made sure that they were going to be listened to. You see, you cannot be making all of those record profits and leaving the workers out. I'm so proud of them. Solidarity. Rock, yes. record, record profits mean record contracts. That's what yes. we heard Mr. Fain say. And, and, and there were a lot of people out there including on the show who said this guy doesn't know what he's doing couldn't be further from the truth John McElroy wouldn't you say oh yeah no he's totally driven the narrative of this uh, whole strike process he's run circles around the car companies in the ways that he communicated not just to his own members but out to the general public which is why I think that the polls show the American public has been behind the UAW on this so when it comes from uh, looking at it from a strategy standpoint but especially a communications standpoint uh, it's it's been wild to see this go Brian Rothenberg you helped run run the, the comms for uh, you know the UAW for so many years in the past you're joining us via Skype to talk a little bit about this yourself is this going to be the way it's going to be moving forward you're going to have all the power for the UAW to come forth and say hey man these are our demands let's do it well, you know, I, th I think it's it's a pattern that you can follow doing this public bargaining, but you have to also keep in mind there is a perfect storm here. I mean, all three companies are doing exceedingly well financially right now. Um, in past years, there was always one company that was having some kind of issues. In 2015, for instance, Stellantis was having some financial issues. By 2019, they were in the middle of a merger, so it made it very difficult in those situations. Um, so I think that lent itself to this style of bargaining, and I think it was the opportunity to really catch up for the first time since 2008. You got to remember what, in 2000. What led to this uh, style of bargaining? Go ahead, it's the Casual. leadership: Sean Fain, Margaret Motts, LaShawn English, Laura Dickerson, and 
No, we had names. That you're, you're saying names. That Boyer, all these behind-the-scenes people, right? Different kind yeah. of leadership. They stood strong on behalf of their memberships. That's what led to this type of settlement. And you know, Ruth, let me let me just say this: as one who organized mm -hmm. for UAW Local 2500 Blue Cross and Blue Shield employees who are on strike right now, and I'm going to be going back out there to join them again. I want them to remain encouraged because of what's occurring right now. This is this this is awesome. This is this is fantastic, and we support them 100%. So what what is GM? What is GM? GM and Ford. What I mean, what choice does GM and Solantis have right now, Charlie? What's the only choice? Do they have oh, more than gonna, one choice? I think they're going to accept this deal. I think they're going to accept a, a very similar deal. I thought the Congresswoman, uh, the sorry, the council. Sorry, yeah. well, never. Oh, maybe yeah. the council. Yeah. Who knows? After this, more, a couple more organizations. There you go. There you go. I thought she was going to say that she wants the uh, the casino workers to get back to business, though. Sure, because sure. They make money for the city of Detroit, right? I, 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 that's right. And they let me do. just tell you, yeah. uh, several hundred casino workers yeah. went at this Detroit City Council yeah. this past Tuesday. I'm encouraging them to stand strong. You know, that's the other big three. That's what they call themselves. But is the this is this three. where we're heading for, from now on? I mean, John, when you take a look at this tactic of negotiating, you heard Brian say that this is like the perfect storm, right? Uh, you had three companies are doing really well. Would it have been different if one of the companies wasn't doing well? Uh, look, I would argue they're not doing all that great. Yes, they've been making fantastic profits in North America. But when you look at their total earnings, their returns are meh. This is why their stock price has gone nowhere. This is why the value of the company is pretty small by automotive standards. I mean, GM's now worth $38 billion. $38 billion is a lot of money, right? Not in automotive terms. So that's uh, a real concern. And that's the other worry going forward. Yes, they're making great money in North America right now, but we know this is a very cyclical business, and they could be losing is, is billions. This, is, this, is this a sustainable model, Brian Rothenberg, to, to do this kind of negotiating and moving forward if the other companies aren't doing as well? And by the way, these companies are saying, look, we need some of this capital, some of this money to invest into our future. We can't just spend it all on labor. We have to spend it on other things, too. Uh, is this argument going to work all the way along uh, moving forward? Well, yes, it is. And, and here's the thing. You know, people need to remember, when you put all your money in Wall Street, which is what these companies were able to do, it doesn't spill up and, and it help the economy any. When you put your money into the workforce, they spend their money. I mean, we know from looking at the television commercials on stations like this one, that when the profit sharing comes out, everybody advertises because they know what that means to the Detroit economy. So it will trickle up. It's going to have a different type of effect. Now, I, I, having said I, I, I that, I'm going to ask one question. Council, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. No, I, I also think the EV situation, you know, part of this was theater. Uh, part of it is, you know, it's only about 8% of the cost of a car. It'll go up a little bit in terms of labor. But you got to keep in mind at all times that a lot of this situation is going to play itself out with EVs based on demand. And right. they over-invested at this point. Well, Councilman, I want to ask you about this. There was a, a line that was thrown out there saying that if you give us only this amount, we're going to be making poverty wages. And I actually got a couple emails from people who work in the service industry who said, how dare these workers say that making $25, $30 an hour plus with their benefits is poverty wages. Some of these folks are going to make six figures. That's not poverty wages, is it? Well, well I can tell you this. They've earned it. They've earned that and more. And I do believe but you don't believe that's poverty wages? No, no, 
I don't believe it's poverty wages, but, but it's, it's, it's what they believe. It is, it's what they believe. It's not what I believe on their behalf. It is what they believe. But I can tell you that it is because of the workers, the rank and files, that we're able to keep this economy going. We have to give them credit for that. And I don't want to see the corporate folks, big business, just basically pushing them aside so that they cannot make a, an appropriate li living taking care of their families. That's what Charlie, needs to happen. I mean, John, John McElroy is going to disagree with me. I know it. I just know it right now. On the record. But I think there's more to this than this. Okay, yes, they'll get a deal. Everybody will be happy. But John McElroy told me a long time ago that there were, if you take a look at all the cars in the, on those roads, right there, yep. what percentage of those cars are made here in the United States made by union workers. John, what is it, 40%, 50%? It's way up there, right? Well, the Detroit 3 have 40% of the market, i.e. all the imports and so, uh, so have the, 60%. So 60% are not made not by union, union workers. That's Correct. right. Correct. So I would think that the union, they're so driven, they're energized right now. All those cars that are made in the, in the United States by companies that are not unionized, I think some of those workers are going to say, hey, we may want to get a union in here. How about that? And you know what? It may be UAW. And we want Sean Payne so, to negotiate. So Brian, so Brian Rothenberg, what happens here as we move forward looking at this model? Do workers down south at some of those non-unionized plants say, we're getting the raw end of the deal, maybe we should be part of the union? Well, yes, I think this is going to be a big boon when it comes to organizing in places like Chattanooga and places like Kentucky and even places like Indiana, uh, where Subaru is. It, it will have a major effect. I do want to remind everybody that the UAW actually has a lot of members in the South, in Kentucky. Uh, they're going to have a lot in Tennessee soon, and they have a lot in Texas. And But this type of most movement that is going on in the country, not just for the UAW, but for labor in general, and this attitude that the American people want people to have the money, to spend the money in the economy, to lift us up, will have an effect when you go to So, court. John, i got to ask you the question. Uh, if you're a, a big three executive and you look at what happened here, this first draft of history being written on this deal, and you move forward until the next contract in three or four years, do some of these big three folks say, you know what, maybe we don't we, we don't want to deal with the union and we want to have non-unionized plants down south? Do they move? Do, are they thinking in terms of that? Um, look, the reality is they're living with the UAW from here until eternity. That's the reality of it. What they want to do right now is call up Sean Fain and say, hey, Sean, let's wrap up GM and Stellantis, and then you better go after the transplants and Tesla. Because we've just given you a whopping big pay package, and we're all good with that. This is great. The workers should have gotten it, but now our our labor cost is significantly different. So you have a moral duty to your own workers to go out and organize the transplants in Tesla. How long can General Motors and Stellantis wait while Ford already ties things up and goes back to making cars? That's a huge disadvantage to the other yeah, two, right? I, I think this is all going to get wrapped well, up. Well, I just want to remind everybody, you know, that the workers gave up a lot several years ago, just a lot. You know, all types of concessions with Stellantis and General Motors. They owe those 
those workers, they gave it up I mean, from their families and so they struggled a lot. And so General Motors and Stellantis, get it together, bring people back to work, give them what they want, give them the damn profits. Brian and Charlie, how, how much, how many more days do we wait until we hear from Stellantis and also General Motors? Uh, Brian? Um, I, I think it could be soon, but remember they haven't voted yet on, the, on ratification. Sure. So uh, it might be they're just waiting to see Ford ratify it to use that pattern. It's coming up on uh, Sunday. But I could yeah. see it even happen before that. All right, Charlie, quickly. Next uh, week. Next week. With all, we're all done. You'll be out on the streets covering it, talking yep. to the workers at that time. Yep. We want to thank our panel for joining us on this Share edition. Share the profits. On this segment profits. of Let It Rip Councilwoman. <laughs> and also John McElroy, Brian Rothenberg, Charlie Langton. Charlie and I will be back on the other side of the break. Three different issues putting Michigan State University really under fire. We're diving into how the university needs to move forward next on Let It Rip. talking about the controversies at Michigan State University. We're joined now by a very well-known voice and face in our community, Rico Beer, the co-host of the Valenti and Rico Show on 97.1 The Ticket, also a, an unbashful MSU supporter and fan of the school as well. Don Tanner with the Tanner and Friedman Marketing Firm talks a lot about communication and getting it right when it comes to that. Rabbi Asher Lopatin, who's the Executive Director of the Jewish Community Relations Council, AGAC, and therapist, Dr. Erica Bachneck, who knows a lot about what scandal after scandal after scandal can do to students who are going to school there. And of course, our anchor and attorney, Charlie Langton, Macomb County's native son, Charlie <laughs> Langton. We were just talking about that during the break. But in all seriousness, let's talk about this, what we're, what we're looking at here. We're looking at a board that right now you have two board members who are fighting with one another. One of them says the other one is bullying them. She's accusing uh, the, the first African-American trustee of bullying. That person is saying that's not true. And in the meantime, they have some important work to do. They have to search for a new president and a new football coach, and the old football coach was mired in controversy. So here we are. Uh, I'll start with you, Don Tanner. Uh, from a communications point of view, I think it's safe to say that they have one of the best communication schools in the country. I'm a product of that. I'm a proud alum. Yeah. But I, can't, I could not be more ashamed of my alma mater in the way that they handled this communications in the middle of crisis. Yeah, I mean, it gets down to leadership. It really does. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, if, if you look at proper uh, PR crisis communications protocol, you need to have a cohesive leadership team. You just have to. And you have to know, you have to exercise, the team has to exercise good judgment. You know, what needs to be handled behind closed doors and what needs to be communicated uh, externally uh, uh, on a more proactive basis. And, and they, I'd give them failing grades uh, right now in, in, in both. And so you have in the middle of the Mel Tucker thing, of course, in the shadow of the Nasser stuff that happened and the search for a new president, you had an interim president, a leader, John Engler, who many people criticized for the way he treated students. And now here you are at a game watching an image of Hitler on the screen that was done, by the way, by a third-party trivia you know, company. But nonetheless, MSU is saying, we regret it. Dr. Bachneck, you're saying it's not just that the mistakes are being made, it's the way this university is handling the mistakes. What do you mean by that? 
So I think what's important maybe as context is that Michigan State's in the news right now. Clearly there's been a series of crises, but what we're experiencing and, and observing here at our state university is happening in higher education across the country, crisis after crisis for students, mismanagement by leadership. And I think the key mistake being made everywhere is the conversation is always about which adult is, which, which professional, which leader is gonna be held responsible? How do we uh, do damage control around that? And what we're not doing enough of is to really center the students and say, if this is their new normal, and it is, this is their new normal, they have to take tests and go to classes and get good grades in the midst of crisis after crisis and all the ambiguity in between, what would a system that centers students look like? What does that mean? What does that mean when you say centering around students? The communication to a student, hey, we regret that this has been the reality for you, this is hard for you when you recognize that? Yeah, um, I don't think that's enough. Here's a great example I'll give you. After the Oxford High School shooting, I spoke with hundreds if not thousands of teenagers. I would come in, I would do mental health programming, and at the end I always said to the kids, tell me something I should tell the adults when I go back to them and tell them how this went. And you would be surprised the number of times kids said to me, could you please ask them to stop ringing the bells? Because we're already coming in every day like right here with our anxiety. And then the bell rings and it's like, I'm startled out of my seat. Mm -hmm. Everything is kind of woken up. Can they just not startle us? And I thought that was so poignant because really what they're saying to us is there's low hanging fruit here, you guys. Do we have to have um, timed exams? Do we have to have uh, essay due dates that there's no flexibility around? We really need to start thinking about what a campus culture looks like that in centers the, mental health. And in the face of crisis, I wanna get to Rico in a moment who knows a lot about this particular controversy with this school, but also other schools. You point out University of Michigan dealing with its own set of controversies. But Rabbi, uh, that image that was flashed on the screen, it, it, that is not, that moment it's not in a vacuum. If you're a Jewish American or any American for that matter, and you happen to see that in the midst of the Israel-Hamas war, what does that do to someone who's watching that? It makes Jews feel scared and unwanted and on university campuses all over. That's the feeling that students are, Jewish students are getting. And I agree with Dr. Bachnick. Um, centering the, the leadership has to take the reins and center the students. That happens in high schools also, where the principal and the leadership has to let the students know what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Which kind of resolutions that are brought through student government or organizations are offensive and why they are hurtful to Jewish students, to black students, to any other kind of student. And the leadership of the universities have to say, this is unacceptable, this is hurtful. Now, I think they, they definitely did yeah. apologize for Hitler on this big screen, but I think we're seeing it in so many other ways where the leadership of the universities are shirking their moral responsibilities, leaving it for the students and not centering them in the way that they should. And these are students who dealt with COVID and the aftermath of having to deal with all of that, having to remote learn. And these are not uh, fully developed adults. These are 18, 19 year olds who are, who are getting there. Rico, when you look at this as a proud Spartan yourself, um, well, you, the domino effect here, one thing after another, after another, after another, how do you frame this? 
Well, I mean, similar to what Don said, I think what the problem with Michigan State and probably a lot of places is everybody wants to be in control. Everybody wants to have the power. But by doing that, no one actually gets anything done because you, it's a more look at me type of thing. So everybody, no one is there for the university. No one's trying to move the university forward. Because as you said, with so many stupid things happening time after time, you just want to say, you know what, burn it all down, fire everybody, start all over again, because none of you idiots know what you're doing. This board is not fit to find a new president, a new coach, you don't think? No. With everything they're dealing with? They should all be gone. Charlie? I, I agree with Rico. I think you've got to start over. I think there's been a collapse. Let's go back to Larry Nassar. It's not all that long ago. Lamont yeah. Simon. I worked with Lamont Simon. I was on the MSU Law School board. But it's a, there's an image. There's mm -hmm. an image. Yeah. You know? Their listen, problem is... They got a bad football team, too. You, you well, can't well, be... You can't, but, that, but that is... That, listen, and on the other side, the score been around the other way. It wouldn't have hurt the cause. Right. For, it would have helped the MSU a little bit. But you got a bad football team. You got Hitler on the board. What? Who was thinking let that? Me, let me ask you I this. Mean, you know, at, the, at the news conference in which, after the USA Today article came out about the allegations against Mel Tucker, you had the president of the university stand in front of a microphone saying, this is not the old MSU. And that was her thesis, her theme, the entire news conference. And she almost, in a sense, was talking down to a lot of the reporters who were saying, hey, this sounds awfully familiar. Don, does anybody believe that president that this is the old? This is not the old MSU. Not at all. I mean, they they, they see what's happening there. It's been happening for years. You can go back to Larry Nasser uh, and that tragic situation. Um, MSU needs to get its act together and start, con uh, you know, acting sooner when there is a crisis. Look how long it took them to uh, make known the Tucker situation. Uh, you know, the constituents are finding out about problems at MSU, not from MSU, but from other parties, and that's absolutely not how you handle crisis communication. <laughs> Crisis Communications, MSU, by the way, offering statements to the media uh, in, with our inquiries, basically saying we regret what happened, of course, on Saturday uh, at the game. They also go on to say that they're continuing to look at this uh, Tucker situation and figure it out, but they're not going to comment on pending litigation. But I had a question about the way in which you respond to a crisis that's traumatizing to a young adult. Um, there used to be a time when people showed up in front of a camera and said, we are sorry that this is what you're going through. And now everybody's releasing statements or tweeting out a response. Is that, is that just an easier way out, Dr. Bachneck? Well, it obviously is, right? Uh, you know, the question answers itself. But, uh, and, and I love what you're saying about how humanity goes a long way. I think that's very true. But I also just have to say, I think the other side of that is that it doesn't really matter what you say or how you say it if you're not going to put your feet behind your words. And students are sensitive to that, and especially minoritized students who have been let down by higher education for many more years than we've been talking about it, right? It's hitting a reckoning point. but. Um, Students know it's going to be business as usual on Monday. So, Rico, should the Board of Trustees be appointed or elected? It should be, a, it should be appointed. I mean, the election process, I mean, we elect idiots all the time. Appointed. Get people who are qualified for the job, not somebody who has a recognizable name. Rabbi, how do you? What do you do to make this right for the for the students who were at that game that day? Take responsibility for your moral, the moral authority that you need to have. Condemn resolutions that are given done by the students that don't have moral footing, that are hurtful, and see the connection really between resolutions between students hurting other students, and Jewish students are hurting all over the country. 
board should be cleaned house all over the country, university boards, if they're not doing their responsibility to maintain moral authority. And we should point out that we, we reached out to Rima Vassar as well, asking her for comment, who's the board member who's in the center of a lot of this. But we did not hear back in time for this show, but we do want to say thank you to our panel. We're going to come back with some final thoughts with all of them. And Charlie is taking the show on the road. Think Michigan State has to do to kind of get back in everyone's good graces. New coaching staff. Michigan State's in the toilet. You talking about far as the picture of Hitler and all that stuff? Yeah. It's bad. I don't know what they're going to do about that. That was pretty bad. What's the deal with Michigan State? Uh, they just got a lot going on right now. Hopefully they can get it together. That's unfortunate what happened, but it's about the kids. It's about the kids. Yes, it's going to be tough, but at the end of the day, uh, I hope everything work out. If you were a good student, would you consider going to Michigan State right now? Probably not. Why? Because I like Michigan. <laughs> what has to happen so that Michigan State can get over this? Uh, get rid of everybody and start over. All the trustees? All of them. If you can't trust them, they can't be trustees, right? It's damaged, but it'll be back. It's, it, it, it'll be back. Final thoughts of Dr. Bachneck. Prioritize minoritized student voices. Rabbi? Rise to the moral challenge and understand students are hurting. Leadership needs to work to learn to work together and uh, approach a crisis in a different, more productive way. Rico? They got to hire a new coach, they got to hire a new president, have a face and a voice to the university. Charlie? They're going to need some personnel at the top for sure. It, it would help to win a few games too. Yeah. We're, Amen. So many of the alum, including myself, disappointed with how things have went down, but certainly still love the school and wish that university nothing but the best. That does it for this edition of Letter Rep.